Hi, welcome to Commerce Unscripted, the podcast in Forum Pest Commerce. I'm your host, Kyler Merrill, and today we have David Harper. He is the host of Off Panel and the person behind, creator, I guess I don't like the person behind, of Sketch.com, uh, the whole great resource that was mentioned in the last episode as well. Um, you've been mentioned in the last two episodes, actually, but um, anyway, how are you doing, David? Doing well. Hopefully you mentioned me in good ways. Yeah, um, well, kind of. The one time we mentioned you in our best of episode, and I said, we're not like off panel, we're not going to do best 20, because that's insane. Um, and my, my co-host agreed. He was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Um, we did top three. Um, but then you were also mentioned as a resource by uh, Charlie Stigney. So, um, but yeah, so two mentions in a week. Nice. Uh, or in the last few episodes. But I want to start off with not comics. I'm going to throw you, um, I'm going to go to your your section for a little bit. Um, this is our podcast's first sports section. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge sports guy. I know you are. I know especially a basketball guy, if I'm correct. How I'm in Oklahoma. How are we doing? Oh, are we bad? Are we good? No. Like, championship good? Or like... Um, so the Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma city thunder, a lot of people thought that they were going to be a contender to make the playoffs this year and had a really bright future. Cause they have a lot of really good young guys. Mm-hmm. And because they have like a million draft picks, they have like uh, something okay. like 14 draft first round picks and 21 second round picks in the okay. next seven years. So everyone was like, yeah, they have a really bright future. And then some people are like, well, you know, they could win 50 games like that could happen. And now people are like, can they win the title this year? And the answer okay. is maybe, maybe they can. They're super young, but uh, they have an MVP candidate. Actually, yeah. might be the MVP favorite at this point in Shea Gilgis Alexander. And uh, it turns out that if you have a really solid team and then you add the maybe the best rookie onto your team, you all of a sudden have a very good formula for greatness. So Oklahoma City yeah. Thunder, looking good. Okay. Like, like I said, I haven't kept up with the Thunder since like probably five years ago at this point, back when like they had... Carmelo Anthony and like Paul George and Steven Adams was still there, stuff like that. I think Russell might have been there, one of those. Yeah. So I don't yep. remember either. Yeah. But so, so you've got like the whole encyclopedia, and that's not even your team. Um, I'm, a, but, I'm a pretty comprehensive resource when it comes to most to basketball, baseball, football to some degree, F1, mm-hmm. a lot of different things. I watch a lot of sports. Dang. You can go into F1. That's intense. Um, yeah, all I knew we had was the one MVP whose name I don't know how to pronounce. The last, last name, Gilgis Alexander, I know. I think I got that. Shay. And then the one other guy that I don't want to talk about because he's a <laughs> not cool dude. Um, that's yes. the only two people I know. But I figured I would check with you because I was like, you tell him that he'll know. He'll, be, he'll tell me the truth. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And while we are in our um, sports section, let, I want to transition it into comics. But um, what do you think makes a good sports comic? Um, well, historically, there aren't a lot of great sports comics. There's great sure. sports manga. manga uh, yeah. th- th- there's a lot of really good sports manga. Sports comics are pretty few and far between. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, to be honest, I, I don't know what makes a great sports comic, but uh, all I will say, as I've said many times on the podcast, is I really wish there were more sports yeah. comics. To be honest, my favorite sports comic is probably Fantasy Sports by Sam Bosma. It is a an incredible series. I'm pretty sure it is going to become a Netflix series, supposedly. But Sam Bosma works in the animation world, and he made three graphic novels, uh, Fantasy Sports, Volume 1, 2, and 3. And the first one is, it's like mm. a mix between dungeon crawling games and sports. And so, like, the first one, he loves basketball, so the first one's basketball mm. mixed with, like, a dungeon crawling story. The second one, I want to say, is volleyball, and then the third yeah. one is golf. And all of them are great. 
And it's funny as a big basketball fan, like I was when I read it for the first time, I could actually see players moves in Bosma's art. And so it's not about being accurate to the sport. It's more about just having fun with it and making it part of the story. So um, things like that. And then I think map to the sun by Sloan. I think it's Sloan Leong. I, I want to wait hold on a second. I got to get that right. Uh, yeah. A map to the sun by Sloan Leong. It's basketball. Yep. Uh, that's a good one. Um, let's see. There's like, there are some good ones. Uh, actually, I really like Kyle Starks's old head. That one is a less serious uh-huh. basketball one, but it's, yeah. it has one of the funniest scenes ever, but yeah, it is sports comics are few and far between, but I think that as the demographics start changing, that that will probably change. Uh, graphic novels mm-hmm. fit it better. Yeah, I I will. I mean, probably pretty obvious. I do listen to your podcast, so I don't remember if you mentioned this or not. I just read it. Would do a power do a powerbomb count as a sports comic? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially because what they're about... actually wrestling to yeah. arm each other. True. Yeah. Um, and I, the only other one I thought of, and it's not really a sports comic. It's just sports tangentially um, dragon hoops by gene Wen yang oh yeah maybe be sort of ish okay. yeah no i mean that's a great one that actually features nba players in there like ben yeah. simmons is in there and god i'm trying to remember there, there's a couple other ones who who make the cut in there and actually there's two i think two dudes on the team that gene covered ended up mm-hmm. making it to the nba yeah and uh like one was like a memphis grizzly i think but anyways yeah dragon hoops is definitely a sports comic but it's also kind of like uh you know, it's more like a bio comic that is yeah. about covering a sports team. But, yeah, uh, it's it is a great comic. Yeah, that that's one I hadn't thought of for sure. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we're gonna kind of use that one. Use that as my uh, my segue into um into the more traditional comics section of the podcast. But um, you you have a lot of of hats. You wear a lot of hats. So, what would you consider yourself a a podcast host, or would you consider yourself even a journalist, or just a really really passionate fan? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I, you described me as the person behind sketched at the beginning. And then you're like, no, that's not right. That's how I actually describe myself, to be honest. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I I wouldn't describe myself. I mean, I, I am a fan, but I wouldn't describe that as what I do. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I am a podcast host. I also write about comics. I always kind of I, I, I don't normally label myself as a journalist, even though that would be probably technically accurate. But yeah. I mean, my 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 spectrum is so broad in terms of what I write about. Like uh, mm-hmm. in January, I wrote a feature that was about, um, you know, the state of comics retail in 2023 mm-hmm. and how shops did that year. And so like, that's a pretty serious piece. But then I also wrote a piece about which characters would be the best at carrying stuff in the Death Stranding world. And so the spectrum is pretty broad. And yeah. I wouldn't say... I'm ever taking myself too seriously. Um, I, I try to cover a variety of uh, perspectives and I try to wear a lot of hats. And to be honest, it's like the sketch and off panel are just a side hustle. It's not even my day job. So yeah. I have a, I have more hats than people realize. That's, that's very true. Um, I don't know why, but that just reminded me of one other beef that I wanted to mention. I'm upset that you put me onto Oceans by Lucy Barton, and then it's not available to read. I was like, are you like, yeah, I was, I was like, this is, sounds great. And then I was like, you can't read it. Yeah, I know. It, it. it was funny because Lucy, I think I brought it up in the podcast. I told Lucy, I was just like, yeah, it's really funny that like we're doing this and like we literally cannot guide yeah. anyone to it. That's how I found it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it's like it was this comic, Lucy Bryan's Ocean. It was in 
October's short box comics fair. And I absolutely love it. It's an incredible comic. Mm. I mean, as she says in the podcast, the good news is she's working on a print edition yeah. with collecting three shorts and the other short is really good too. That one's on Tumblr mm-hmm. though. You can read now, but yeah. yeah, I, I mean, it's funny. There was a part of me that was like, is this rude? But then I was just also, what am I supposed to do? Not say my favorite comic is my favorite comic. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it wasn't even saying it was your favorite comic. It was the episode where you just interviewed her and talked all about it. And I was like, this really <laughs> makes me love it. I want to read it. I want to read it. Oh, it's not available. Yeah. I mean, maybe that, later. Isn't that that's the tricky thing about doing an interview podcast, though, is, mm-hmm. is like, so, for example, I'm talking to Jesse Lonergan and uh, Porn Sack Pisha Show tomorrow. And the funny thing about that is, is I'm talking to them about a comic, Man's Best, that doesn't get released in full form until March 20th. And the episode is going to run on the, what is it? The 12th. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's February 12th. So it's being released a month. The podcast is being released a month and eight days before the comic can be read. Mm -hmm. And so anytime you do any interview about a comic that's not out yet, it's just, you're kind of, you're, or, or even one that is about like, let's say, I don't know. I just talked to Chip Zdarsky. Like if you've never mm-hmm. read Public Domain or Newburn and we talk about mm-hmm. that, you're just going to be like, what the hell are these guys talking about? This yeah. is it's nonsense to me. So it's always a danger. Yeah. No, I just, that was the one specifically because I was like, that sounds really cool. And then it's like <laughs> right up my alley in all the right ways. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Um, it is, it is very cool. I, I, it's definitely going on my list. But yeah, like a lot of things, like, you know, it's not just you, it's a lot of podcasts. Like you can't, like, when the episode, like, it's hard to time it with, with comics because, like, FOC might end, you know, after the, or before the episode comes out, so it's, like, too late to put on my pull list or to guarantee myself a copy on my pull list. So I'm just like, well, I gotta hope that they got an extra one or, you know, that they can get one. And nothing happens like what happened today, apparently, or this yesterday or today with the Black Panther whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, no, th- that's one of the weird things about the combination of, I mean, it's just like the promotional cycle combined with mm-hmm. the way that comics works, where it's like, yeah. it's announced three-ish months beforehand, and then initial orders open, and then final order cutoff closes, like, th- sometimes three weeks before, sometimes a month before, any, like, depends on the publisher, depends on the distributor, too. Yeah. And, like, trying to sequence this stuff so it's best for the creators. I mean, to be honest, I, I always tell people, and this is kind of rude, but it's just... I just want to be honest with people up front is my goal is to not make my show a promotional show. My goal is to just mm-hmm. make it a conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's because I think people get more invested. If the people seem like what they care about matches, what you care about as a person. And it's like, you're more likely to buy something if you really like the person than if like, you're like, this is, into the spider verse meets final fantasy six. As I look at art behind our, our respective yeah. selves, that'd be a really weird comic. That would be really weird. I will. I mean, I will, I say it's really weird. I have no idea what final fantasy is. I mean, I am aware of it, but I've never played a game. I've never seen a thing. I just know it's popular and people like it. Final fantasy seven. I, I drew cloud one time because someone requested that online, but that's, <laughs> that's about it. That's all. That's my extension right there. Well, there you go. Um, so, I do kind of want to just start at like the beginning, but I don't want like the, the just like oh, what was your first comic? But like, what was it about like that made the medium of comics like so interesting to you? Uh, well, I mean, it's in separate. It's not tied to my first comic, but my first comic series that I read pretty much was the Transformers, the Marvel mm-hmm. one in the eighties. Well, and yeah. the reason 
why I was reading that was because I love the Transformers. Like if they were a drug, I was like absolutely addicted to it. They basically were a drug for my life because yeah. I watched the movie like 200 times. I hid their the Transformers, the movie soundtrack in my underwear drawer, assuming that no one would ever go in there to steal it. And so it was a serious level of addiction. But the funny thing is, is I can tell you exactly the moment where it all clicked for me. I was reading mm-hmm. the Transformers number 41. Actually, I believe it was drawn by the, the just past uh, Jose Delbo, who absolutely crushed mm-hmm. the issue. And there's a fight on the moon between Autobots and Decepticons. And there's like a billion Transformers mm-hmm. on this moon fight. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Also, I'm seven. So I've seen like 500 things in my, in my life. Yeah. And so... Uh, I was in that moment, I was just like, this is so much cooler than like the cartoon because the cartoon, they like show like two mm-hmm. Transformers at once. This yeah. is way better. And in the back, in my memory, it, I think it actually does have this. You can look in the back and you can actually tell you like which one is which. Like this is Laserbeak. This is this. Mm-hmm. This is that. And like it was kind of like kid Wikipedia for me and helped me understand who these different characters were and the, what their names were. And so just the combination of like the way it delivers information and the art and everything like that, and what its possibilities are people mm-hmm. say quite often that like the only limit on comics is your imagination. And that's not entirely true, but it's not untrue either. Mm-hmm. And you can just do things in comics that you can't in other ones. So reading that transformers comic, I was like, I'm hooked. And yeah. I mean, that's what I tell people all the time is like, it costs the same to draw that transformer scene as it would to, to draw, you know, a, two characters in a diner you know i'm paying an art the artist gets paid the same page rate i mean for a single page but yeah i mean it takes a lot longer to draw crowds i'm not saying the effort i'm not saying the effort isn't there but the pay is essentially the same especially like because i'm primarily i mean i i I used to say i'm primarily a writer i draw more now but anyway just like like yeah i if i'm gonna pay an artist i'm paying the same to draw two transformers fighting as i am to paying two guys sitting at a table talking right um so that's why comics is so great i can do so much more um and so how does that desire how does that love of comics evolve into a desire to become a part of it i so basically i read comics throughout my childhood stopped reading them in high school got back into it in college Mm -hmm. um fell in love again was kind of i was coming up in like the late i I got out of college in 2006 and then after that Mm -hmm. i started kind of getting into writing a blog because that was kind of what you did in like 2007 and so i was writing a blog and every time i wrote about comics i was like i feel like everyone hates this i wouldn't do it very often but um Mm -hmm. i was part of a forum for uh pop punk music called absolute punk well it was a website that also had a forum and Mm -hmm. on there on the entertainment board was a a thread that was called Wednesday is new comic book day. And it was just a place where people would discuss comics. And one of the people on there started a website uh, and asked, does anybody else want to do this? And so I was like, yeah, sure. And so Mm -hmm. that was multiversity comics. That is multiversity comics. Multiversity comics Mm -hmm. is still around. And yeah, so I just started doing it to be honest. It's not like I ever really was like, I want to do this. I just started doing it and then just kept doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it, by about like 2015, I decided to do my own thing and I decided to launch Sketch and Off Panel. And I don't know, I, I just kind of got better at it and I enjoy it and mm-hmm. I just have a naturally inquisitive mind. And so I honestly, it's just it's I've never seen a reason to stop and I enjoy yeah. myself. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, 
just because that was one of the other questions I had was like, and I mean, I feel like you've kind of answered it in a way, but I guess I'll kind of ask it again. But like, I, I just recently saw a video and they were talking about how content, like everybody just makes content now. And it's just like, basically like schlock to consume. And like having been on podcasts, like promoting my own comic, like I try to structure my podcast to be not just like the same 10 questions, which I feel like a lot of podcasts are. And so like, I I just wanted to see if you had any other like insight into like how you focus on making, I mean, you already talked about how like you make it a conversation and make, you want the, the listener to be, so you want to hear what the creator is actually interested in and talk about things that they're into. So, I mean, is that it or is there anything else as to, as opposed to just making it another interview show where you're just asking the same 10 questions? Well, I mean, so first off, I, this is a complete aside. I hate the word content. I yeah. really, really hate it. It's just like, and also when people say consumed, when they're like, I consume mm -hmm. this, I'm just like, I feel like you're completely yeah. invalidating the entire idea mm -hmm. of, of what you're engaging with there. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, what I'm trying to do is i don't know i mean to, uh, I, I often say one of the things that i do to prepare is i read interviews in advance to see what people mm -hmm. are being asked and then don't ask the same questions everyone is asking and on top of that uh find out what people clearly do not like talking about because it's normally pretty abundantly clear based off of the things that they like how they do and don't respond mm -hmm. and just trying to like figure out what kind of unlocks them because a lot of times, like I always tell people before I start recording, I always say, you know, uh, first thing is, is like, I'm aiming for this to be a free flowing conversation. So if we go on a mm -hmm. tangent, feel free. Uh, we'll get back there eventually. Because yeah. some of my favorite parts in my podcast have nothing to do with comics. Like I always say that my favorite example of anything, any, it, this happened years ago, probably like seven years ago now, Becky Cloonan was mm -hmm. the guest. And I asked Becky Cloonan about her dedication to the beginning of the first volume of by chance or Providence, her collection of mini stories mm -hmm. or mini comics. And in it, there's a quote from Matt or a, a line to Madeline Pryor. And then the next, it was like this beautiful poetic line to mm -hmm. Ma Madeline Pryor from the X-Men. And then the next line is her thanking Guy Davis, the artist for giving her a toaster oven. And we ended up talking about toaster ovens for like <laughs> five or 10 minutes. And I talked about how I'd make uh, tuna melts in a toaster oven. And the funny mm -hmm. thing is, is I got like, 20 pictures from people who made tuna melts in toaster ovens because of my podcast, which was so random. But that's the thing that I think is interesting is, is if you just listen to me talk to again, like Jesse Lonergan and, and porn sack, uh, Pisha showed, are there on promotional effort for man's best right now? There's gonna be a bunch of interviews with them. You don't have any reason to listen to mine above others. If I'm just going to, ask the same questions so mm -hmm. how do i how do i make that slightly different and the answer quite often is just be weird as hell yeah i will say that's like one thing that you do like a skill that i will that you're really good at is just like letting a conversation go like that's like the one thing i can't do is just like like just talk to people i'm just not a i'm not, i wouldn't say i'm so far so far as i'm antisocial but like it's just not it like my it's not my skill you know, and so like you, you, and you have that, you have that gift. So it's like the gift of gab or whatever they say. But well, I mean, I, first off, I want to say you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're flowing no. quite nicely. But the thing is, is I think it's 
it's just um like i prepare i prepare a lot i have an entire it's like for porn sack and and and, uh and jesse i have like a document that i'm gonna have ready that's gonna be like five or six pages of like topics and ideas but the thing is is it's just like i've done it enough times where i kind of feel like i know when to abandon the not the script but the structure and just Mm -hmm. flow with it because I mean, like the, honestly, like that's the main thing. I, I don't think of interviews in a, I think of almost as like a story, which sounds maybe a little like my head's up my ass. But at the same time, I think of it like a narrative standpoint. It's just like, I like to flow so people have an understanding of how they got to this point and how that fuels them as creators. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you get there, like I, I just talked to Nate Powell. Nate Powell is a cartoonist mm-hmm. who just had a, a graphic novel called uh, Fall Through come out. And we talked about the X-Men and his love of the X-Men because he actually has a dedication in the back of this graphic novel that has nothing to do with the X-Men. It, the dedication is to magic and Kitty Pride, And mm-hmm. it's like how you how that plays a part in his story as a cartoonist. So I think it just really comes down to being open also i'm just like this is just how i am i always like uh, a story i often tell is i was having dinner with a couple people from comics and my wife and this one person asked me like are you interviewing us right now and my wife was like this is just how he is yeah sorry i just had to go and look up because i i meant to look up nate powell because i was running while i was listening to the podcast because i'm a crazy person who listens to podcasts while i run and i um i meant to look up nate powell because that um fall through and uh the other ones in his whole little the whole um little series or world that he had yeah 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 we're like super into me interesting so yeah Um, um, you reminded me yeah i i you're not too weird i actually do listen to podcasts on uh on the treadmill on occasion uh not outside right now because i live in alaska and it is not fun outside right now yeah i was gonna say this like we just went through i mean i was gonna say we went through a really cold spell but i bet to you it's, it's nothing it was like 20s for consistently for the weekend yeah this is for you that's the huh. yeah we had a wind yeah. chill of like negative 31 last week and yeah no nah, like, no i'm good i'm good yeah nah. inside now but i'm i'm glad to know i'm not crazy because like my girlfriend thinks i'm insane because i listen to podcasts while i work out and stuff and i'm like no i just want to like be by myself and just like listen to what i want to listen to and like i mean there's times when like i want to i gotta like you know go hard and like put on like some music but for the, if it's a chill run i'll listen to the off panel i'll listen to the geek history lesson yeah, I'm just chill for a while. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like what whatever, pe- whatever gets people in the appropriate headspace to exercise. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who listen to audiobooks. It's like you're just yeah, sitting around. You listen. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, sometimes, to be honest, my, my problem with po- a podcast. To be honest, I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to mm-hmm. one podcast consistently. It's the Low Post. It's a NBA podcast. Shockingly, mm-hmm. and th- my problem with podcasts is I don't have time. And yeah. some people say oh, well, you can listen to it at like 2x speed or 3x speed. And I'm like, I am not going to do that. Like this mm-hmm. is, I mean, I'm not going to say what I do is like making a movie or something like that, but mm-hmm. it's designed to be listened to at a, at a, a singular speed. And mm-hmm. if you have to listen to podcasts at 3x speed to get through them, you're consuming them. You're not really yeah. enjoying them. And so anyways, everyone can enjoy things how they want to, but yeah. I would I would never do that. So I don't know different strokes for different folks i mean i of course. i listened to like i don't know i was listening to music from katamari damasi the other day when i was exercising so i it takes all types yeah i mean the only time i listened to recently that i've listened to a podcast in like two times speed i wasn't two it was like 1.8 wherever spotify auto set me at 
was just because I was trying to cram for an interview. Oh, sure. That I had to do, and I felt like I hadn't done enough. So I was like, I gotta like get something in real quick, just so I have some better idea of what to what to prepare. And so like, I, that's the only time I've done like that. I'm not like casually listening to off panel at two cents. I'm just like, that's that those kinds of things where I'm actually trying to listen, like get something out of it. I'm like, I'm gonna slow down. Ten x only ten x. Got to go faster, just faster, faster, faster. That's what I'm gonna do next time. I'm gonna go ten x. Just like, I don't even know if I'll be able to understand. You'll that. probably be but, running um, incredibly fast though. Oh yeah, that'd be great. It probably just set my brain to just like because you know you like I tried to look up like running at like certain BPM. Yeah, and like I can't figure it out. But like, just put on a podcast at ten times speed, and that'll just get me going like ten minute miles every time. I mean, if it starts slowing down, then you know that you actually have super speed and you're processing things at a different rate. There you go. So there you go. Um, but so you did say you mentioned that you you'd have a, like your list of um for your interview with um your two interviews tomorrow. And so, like, I had two pages for this, or it ended up being two pages. I'm trying a new format for myself. I'm trying a thing on Apple called Pages, where I can annotate while I'm doing it. So it's working out pretty well. Um, but you said you have a page just of, like, topics and ideas. Is that, like, how you structure your interviews? Or do you have, like, actual, like, specific questions prepared? Or is it just, like, here's some, I know that they're into this. I know they have made this and we can talk about that or is it like you have specifics um i i sometimes do have specific questions set up i mean like there's some things that i definitely have in there for example for like man's best that comic that i'm talking to jesse and mm-hmm. porn sack about tomorrow like that comic i have the solicit in there so i can make sure i actually know mm-hmm. what i'm you know know what yeah. it is so i can tell people about I try not to get guests to describe their own comic because I've had too many times where people are like, man, this is really weirdly difficult. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to use your solicit. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'll normally do is I'll, I'll set up a structure. So for example, for them, I <laughs> spoilers for my own podcast that hasn't even come out yet, but uh, I have four different sections. I have uh, intro. I have uh, meet cute, which is about how they met. And then I have Man's Best, which is going to be about Man's Best, the comic they're working on together. And then it's going to be Moment in Time. And within each of those sections, I have different kind of um, uh, like topics, questions, things like that, that I want to bring up. Like, you know, for example, like with Pornsack, he also edited, was one of the editors on We Three, the Grant Morrison, Frank mm-hmm. Whiteley comic that, of course, is about three animals in the same way that... Um, or animals that have weaponry attached to them, futuristic uh, weaponry that's attached to them, just like the animals in Man's Best. And so connecting with that, um, things things that, like, I might not recall. To be honest, like, again, my brain is really weird, and I just remember things really well. Most of what I do is just, like, kindling for, the, for my brain in case I start forgetting something. And more often than not, I don't forget. It's, like, it's just back up at that point. And so mm. it's more about keeping myself straight. Um, of course, the thing is, is like I start with like a six page document. I go page one, page four, page two, page three, page two, page six. Yeah. It just I always say conversational flow dictates more than anything. And that really is true mm-hmm. when it comes to my podcast. For sure. And then like going off that, like what what is it just are your guests just people you want to talk to people you're interested in? Like. Because I just I was just curious as far as like if there's a a desire to like pers- to maybe pursue more mainstream comics versus pursuing more independent people who are maybe doing things not direct market related. Or do you focus on what what? How do you go about picking your guests? Uh, I just pick people who are interesting to me. I mean, to be yeah. honest, it's like 
I get probably 30 emails a week from people asking yeah. to come on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I, I, and like, that's not me calling anybody out. That's just like the mm-hmm. realities of it. And so a lot of it is me just trying to figure out what's interesting to me because to be honest, I'm not very good at faking it. If I wasn't interested, it's mm-hmm. going to be really tough for me to pretend to be. Yeah. Um, and it's, it really isn't just mainstream or mainstream comics, quote unquote, because, you know, for example, what was the comic we were just talking about? A comic people literally cannot read was a yeah. guest in my podcast, the cartoonist who made that. Uh, so that was a short box comics fair release. I think the next episode I had was Patrick Brower, who's a uh, retailer. And then mm-hmm. I had my wife and then my cat is mm-hmm. yelling at me. I had my wife as a guest who's literally never even read a comic before we started talking basically. Yeah. And then let's see, uh, Chip Zdarsky, oh no, Susanna Polo from Polygon, and then Chip Zdarsky, and then I have Pornsack and, and uh, Jesse. So, and you it, forgot Nate. And I forgot Nate. Nate, yeah. So, Nate, so we're talking about cartoonist who makes a comic you can't read, uh, retailer, um, Nate Powell, who's, who is a cartoonist who works on graphic novels mm-hmm. for the book market, Chip Zdarsky, a writer and artist who primarily works in the direct market, Susanna Polo, journalist from Polygon, and my wife who doesn't read comics. And so, mm-hmm. I don't really have like a a staple idea as to who I talk to. It's just um, whoever feels right in the moment. And I do my, Mm -hmm. the the problem is, and this is one of my greatest limitations is you only have so much time. Like, yeah, I I have a tough time reading everything that would make it. So I have a broader range of guests. I do my best. Like my next guest is going to be uh, Kazu Kibuishi, the cartoonist behind the Amulet series. And I've talked to Kazu before, but I mean, like, it, so that's like a wildly different guest there. At the same time, like, I don't normally have anybody that's related to manga. I had Debbie Oki on there. Uh, Webtoon, very, like, th- those ones, very few and far between. Um, and I, I, I wish I could do better, but I, I do my best. Um, but, yeah, it's just taking in new comics and trying to uh, lean into what speaks to me the most. All right. Sorry, got a little distracted there. Um, I oh, Wait, one other note. Uh, it, it is one other, the only rule I have on my podcast is I can only have a guest once a year. Uh, I break it on okay. occasion, but I always tell people I don't like doing two in a year because mm-hmm. then I'm hitting on the same territory. And I'd rather yeah. have a broader range of guests than just have, mm-hmm. I don't know somebody on like five times a year that just seems like it would get boring for both of us and for listeners yeah exactly yeah um and so i i do kind of want to transition and talk a little bit about um like some of the more bigger industry side of things because uh i i'd want to i try to keep these less than an hour and then at the end we'll probably just fire some questions at you rapid fire um what um so i guess Based on kind of your, I want I want to hear your thoughts. I've heard like people you've, I've heard Patrick's thoughts on your podcast. I've heard like I read your your um uh article or Retailer piece one. on um yeah. And so like, how would you kind of describe the way things are feeling going into twenty twenty four? As far as like the direct market, someone, yeah, the direct market. Or well, yeah. Let's start with that. I mean, uh, here's the funny thing is is I, I wrote this. I don't remember what piece I wrote this in, but. Um, I find that there's often a lag between where the public conversation is and where the private conversation is. And Mm -hmm. 
where the public conversation was towards the end of 2023 is kind of the conversations I was having towards the end of 2022. And so like I was talking to mm -hmm. retailers and creators and stuff like that about where things were. And like people were like worried, worried in 2022, like late 2022. Mm -hmm. And it was not because that things were bad, so bad then. It was because the way things were looking. Mm -hmm. I actually am more positive going into 2024. I felt one, I had this article that was about six predictions I had for 2024 in comics, mm -hmm. particularly the industry. And two of them were that I thought that the year was going to be better than what a lot of people thought it was going to be, even though it wouldn't look or feel like that. Part of the problem is there's no sales charts. So people don't really know what is or is not happening. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't I, I think that's more of a symptom than actual issue. Uh, and then the other thing is, is I thought that there would be one of the things that shops always tell me is that there's no big hits. Um, there's no sagas. And even Saga mm -hmm. isn't yeah. Saga anymore. And so yeah. they need like tentpole hits. And it appears Ultimate Spider-Man number one was that. And I think Ultimate Spider-Man going forward will probably be that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, it seems like Ultimate Black Panther is like that yeah. to some degree. But I mean, the problem with those is like, you never know how much of that is speculation. Mm -hmm. um, but it helps a lot that at least I haven't read Ultimate Black Panther because it just came out today and I bought it four hours yeah. ago. Uh, but Ultimate Spider-Man was awesome. It was a great comic. And so mm -hmm. those two are looking pretty good. Ghost Machines first edition, first volume thing, like the debut comic yeah. that kind of connected their universe seems to have done really well. So there's a lot of promising books. And so uh, the big, I mean, to be honest, it's like people are like, oh my God, comics just aren't good anymore. Oh my God, yeah. this is happening, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, yeah, I mean, like everyone can find a specific thing to complain about that may or may not be true to some people that may include themselves. But the, the biggest problem and the most consistent problem that I hear from people is it's the economy. It's just like, how do mm -hmm. you how do you justify spending five ninety nine on the first issue of a comic when you need to buy groceries and groceries are really expensive? And so mm -hmm. it's. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't larger issues because there absolutely absolutely are larger issues when it comes to the comic industry. However, I do think that a lot of what's facing it is just run-of-the-mill economy problems, economic problems. Mm -hmm. um, so while I have your thought, well, you were just you were talking about Ultimate Spider-Man, and I looking at my picks that I pulled up, picked up last week. Uh, my pulls that I picked up last week. Messed that up. Um, You've been reading Gods, yeah. Any I haven't thoughts? read the most recent issue. I haven't either. I, I'm not gonna lie. I um I've been backed up on reading comics because mm -hmm. I'm reading a bunch of books right now, and mm -hmm. I'm a very monomaniacal reader. So if I'm reading yeah. a book, I focus on the book. And so, um, just one more Timothy Zahn Star Wars book to go, and then it'll be free. Um, not really free. I love them, so yeah. it's it's not exactly a, a difficult thing. But yeah. um. I am reading gods. I actually like it. I think it's really fun. I think the thing that the, the funny thing about gods is I think people are expecting this crazy architectural book that was going yeah. to be like a bananas Hickman book. And I think it's just him having a lot of fun. It's, it's a mm -hmm. charming read and people are expecting for like, for it to be like, uh, I don't know, secret wars, like, or like his fantastic four run. But I think it's just him having fun. And I think it'll go mm -hmm. to big places eventually, but yeah, I just think that the expectation for what it was is not the reality of what it is. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at too. Or in a, I'm still like having to get myself into that mindset of like it's not. I was expecting it to be like House of X, Powers of Ten, with like full of infographics, like just crazy like world building type thing. And he's doing a lot of world building, but it's not like not what I expected. Which so Here's I think I have to. I, I mean, I know I, I'm not going to pretend like me and Jonathan are friends or something, but I like I, I know yeah. Jonathan pretty well. And I think he does. I think it it appeals to him to do the things that people to not do the things people are expecting out of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that so, I mean, there's, I, there's a reason why he's writing Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man is not a Hickman book. And mm -hmm. I bet he loves that. I can I ask you? Uh, you probably don't know. I let's no, find out. I don't want. I don't want to get into it. Just well, no, me. I was just gonna. It, it involves. It involves Donny Cates, and I don't really want to get into that whole situation. Was he really supposed to do Ultimate Universe, or was that? Do you have oh, any idea? That I don't know. I I, I okay. couldn't tell you. That's what I mean. Um, but um, to be honest, I mean, like, I have no idea if it was. I I know that there was a special thank you to Donny and Ultimate Invasion mm -hmm. One. I think it was. Um, I can say that I, I mean, Chip Zdarsky talks about it on the podcast this week. Chip said he was okay. originally asked to write Ultimate Spider-Man. And the he said that he read the Bibles for it, and those were from Hickman. And so okay. um, it seems that whatever the origins of it were, Hickman took it over enough to be kind of like the person who was leading mm -hmm. a lot of it. Yeah, that 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 definitely... Kind of makes sense. I I didn't know I'm, like how much how much tea you had. No, I mean to be honest, I, I I'm like I know a lot of things, but I also am not the type of person who talks about things. Yeah, because I don't know. I there's enough people to do that. I don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't need to be another another scooper or whatever. Well, you know, I, I mean, also it's just like I mean, it's kind of like you know, the, the, have you heard about the Cadence Comic Art stuff that's happening right now? Yeah. I mean, I've like, heard of it. I don't really know the details, but it's not great stuff. And like, I yeah. don't need to traffic in people's misery. And so, yeah, and I don't sure. need to add to their hardships. And so I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I believe me, this is not me condemning you bringing it up because it's a reasonable mm -hmm. question. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't know. Like if, if somebody tells me something privately, it's not my job to immediately mm -hmm. tell everyone about it. Yeah. Uh, it might be better for my site though. Maybe I should think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was more just wondering, like, from uh, just I was like, how, like, how much does he know, like, insider, like, is he like really, like, in the know? But um, anyway, oh, only one um, way to know: be professor. Got That's it. Yeah. Um. So, are there any specific like trends that you've noticed within the past few years, like certain types of books that seem to be like getting bigger or doing really well or anything like that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if, if there was, yeah. I suspect there'd yeah. be more of it. The only yeah. real trend that actually works is uh, have a very good variant plan. Uh, the, mm -hmm. I mean, here's, so I just had that retailer feature go up and the comics that did the best were the inner John universe ones and beneath the trees where nobody sees by Patrick Horvath and like some of the Donna DC stuff. And then like a variety of graphic novels, like anything Danny Warren Johnson does is doing really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I know this is an oversimplification, but like step one is almost universally like have a good comic, shockingly, mm -hmm. like have the good foundation. Yeah. The other thing is, is have a good path to people knowing about it. Mm -hmm. That was the, I mean, honestly, like that's the best thing that the inner John universe did was that Skybound had a really good marketing plan for it. And they in mm -hmm. 
involved retailers from the start. And so they felt like they were part of the process as opposed to they find out about it last. And so because of that, they're invested. And because it's Daniel Warren Johnson, it totally rocks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, the G.I. Joe stuff, I don't care about G.I. Joe. That stuff is yeah. still really good. Like, I really like Duke. I think that I haven't read the second issue yet, but the first issue was great. Tom Riley's a beast. Jordy Belair is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh Williamson's doing great work. So it's step one, have a good comic. Step two, find a way to get people to know about it. And for them to, and then step three, try to do your best to make sure that they care. Um, mm-hmm. th- the problem is, is like there's, there's multiple levels of getting them to care. And part of the issue with getting a lot of heat behind something these days is the entire marketing focus has shifted to, and it always has been to some degree, but it has shifted to building interest in re- amongst retailers rather mm-hmm. than customers. And like uh, a good example, I talked about this with, I think Patrick Brower on the podcast where I talked about the fact that I only found out that Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev's masterpiece had come out when I saw it in Mm -hmm. my shop. I had no idea it came out that day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, there's no real trend. The trend Mm -hmm. is, um, I don't know the power of prayer. That works. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, like be manga. manga. Exactly. Well, you know what? That's let's shoot. Let's go right into it. Um, well, first of all, I was going to say, I think Energon was like the perfect storm of like the mystery and the whole surprise of Void Rivals, Daniel Warren Johnson coming off to a powerbomb combined with the fact that it was G.I. Joe and Transformers and our major property coming to yeah. a new industry. I think it was like everything was like perfect for that. Um, but anyway, so that does uh, kind of lead into my next question. Um, are there any lessons that comics, U.S. comics, you think the direct market could learn from international markets? Uh, I mean, what trends could be learned from international stuff? Make it simpler. That's okay. a lot. Uh, that's a big part of it. I mean, the thing mm-hmm. is, is like, uh, hold on a second. Come on. Uh, when I was in France, uh, I had lunch with this, the editor in chief of uh, Urban Comics, which is the publisher who mm-hmm. publishes France's uh, or DC's French editions and also French editions for a number of uh, comics. Um, like all James Tynan stuff goes through urban comics. Mm-hmm. And so I had lunch with Francois Erquette, who's the guy who does that. And like, he, he, we had, it was my wife and I, and we, we, he was walking us through some of their volumes. And like, one of the things that they do is they're actually reprinting all of Batman's comics in like chronological order where it's like 1988 volume one. And then like, you read like a detective comics issue and then you read, an issue of Suicide Squad that was actually important that features Batman. Then you read the next issue of Batman. Then you read like this mm-hmm. and that. And it, each one has an explanation as to where it fits in the story and why it was included in there. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like French comics are blown up because they respect the art form and because it's like a big part of their culture, but also because they're very thoughtful in how they deploy stuff. They have, they put a lot of production value behind it. They have only pretty much exclusively hardcovers besides manga mm-hmm. um like manga you know it's it's become like a meme because it said so much mm-hmm. but it is easier to know where to start because you just start with mm-hmm. volume one i think that's not a mistake or not a surprise that like some of the comics that have blown up the past few years like 15 years the most aren't big two comics but are you know the walking dead saga invincible mm-hmm. comics where you're like where do i start volume one I mean, same and, with something that's killing um, the children, too. Yeah, 
And so I will say the only thing that the only manga that I could, that I thought of uh, that's even thing I was thinking about this the other day for some reason that doesn't really follow that trend or not maybe not manga but anime is Gundam. Like I have no idea where to start with that. There's like 17 series. Oh yeah. And I'm like, which Gundam do I watch? I have no idea. Yeah, but if you like but, Gundam, um, you're just else. like big mechs. That's what you're there for. Who gives a shit that's about true. the rest? I was gonna say I started built, buying them just because I'm like they're cool robots. Like what's not to like? I don't yeah. know anything about the plot here. They just look dope. That's it. Yeah. Um, a lot of these next questions, I don't really have like, like actual questions. It's just like, what are your thoughts on this? Um, sure. So, um, and this is kind of a hard one. Because um, the big issue that gets raised a lot is um, fair compensation for creators. Um, sure. The obvious answer is just pay them what they deserve, you know? But like, I mean, is there anything like else that can be done as far as, because like everything's rising, you know? Like, is there anything other than just you know, is it does it kind of go back? I've seen some people suggest that it maybe goes back to like um, kind of what you were talking about with the French market as like um, or Francis comic market is that like they treat it more seriously. And because I see people say that we should treat comics more like an art form instead of just as like, again, going back to the content and just as something to consume. Like, is that I mean, is there anything else to that? Or I mean, I mean, I, I honestly like the it's it's not like American comic creators are the only ones who are yeah underpaid or like i mean because because here's the thing it's like nate powell i talked about this with him on the podcast but he did a uh basically he did the math to figure out how much mm-hmm. he was making on an advance he was getting from a book publisher and nate powell is a very notable creator who uh is like the person who was the artist of merch which won a national book award and had three volumes and was a massive hit and, you know, granted, it was not because of Nate Powell, but he was a contributor to it. And so he's an, he's a notable name. And he did the math on how much he made basically like a week or a month or something like that from his mm-hmm. advance. And it was very little. And like, mm-hmm. he's not making single issue comics. This is a book market problem, too. Um, and so uh, to some degree, it's just like it's it's like the math. It's like, uh, you know, going back to the NBA, it's like, why do why is Damian Lillard making $60 million a year? Uh, it's mm-hmm. because that is like, that is a, an industry where when they sign a TV deal, it's for like $18 billion, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, it's, it's to some degree, it's a, it's a, a scale problem where it's just like, there isn't enough sales to offset that. And the other problem of course, is the fact that there are predatory publishers out there who, mm-hmm are looking to make more money themselves rather than to compensate fairly or to give people the rights that they deserve. If, if that's mm-hmm. the way that the deal is supposed to work, mm-hmm. when you combine those two things, it paints a pretty ugly picture because um, you know, if, if there's not enough money to give people and then there's predatory publishers who are trying to take advantage of people, then you have a dangerous situation for mm-hmm. people who want to earn a living off of it. And it's just, it's awful. Like the, the, there's, um, the comic book history is laden with people who have been taken advantage of or taken bad deals and not known at the time and then found out later or just taken what appeared to be a good deal and then basically not gotten what they thought they would because, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like that yeah. the Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons thing about Watchmen is like the strangest part of it is like that's that deal what on the surface was is like the they would get the rights back once the book went out of print. What's mm-hmm. the answer for DC? Never put it out of print. Yep. And, and like, 
yeah sorry go ahead sorry i was just going to mention the um like the the ed brubaker a couple of years ago was talking about winter soldier and like how he gets like jack from marvel even though he like completely reinvented like bucky as winter soldier and like that movie came out and now that dude's on like you know he's been in billion dollar movies he's been like is that was a title character in a tv show and then like was Brubaker get out of it you know what i mean he had even had to ask sebastian stan to get him to the premiere yeah exactly it's just like it's it's ridiculous um and so uh i i guess like I, i try to keep these you know relatively under an hour so um i i the last few questions i got here um we'll do them kind of now we won't do rapid fire. Do whatever you want. However long it takes. Well, however long it takes, we take. Um, are there any? Most of I feel like I don't know this for sure, but most of my listeners, I feel like, are probably comics creators themselves, especially comics creators who are not in the direct market as of yet. And so, um, do you have any like insight onto what those types of creators can do to become to like do anything differently, or is it just? make good comics is that what do you you mean like do anything differently like to like get i don't know as far as like yeah to get get more sales get more eyes on their product to get or on their comic to or on themselves i don't know i just Uh, get more attention from publishers i I, I think uh I i think one of the things that the the subject that's probably way more important than anyone wants to give it credit for is is marketing and and outreach Mm -hmm. and stuff like that because um you know, a lot of these books are not like, you know, I, I you, you brought it up earlier. You thought I was crazy because I had 20 comics in my best of list. And like, it wasn't 20. It was it was 25. I listed 25. There was honorable true. mentions. Yeah. And like, I read a lot more great comics than that. And so when you're in a market where there's in terms of skews or like individual releases, including variants, you're talking about like. 200 to 250 individual things that are competing for money Mm -hmm. from retailers and comic customers comic shop customers every single week when you're talking about that kind of volume you are competing with others for you know not just like people buying it but just awareness and attention Mm -hmm. and i i think that there are some people who like James Tynan's secret. I, I say this with respect isn't that he is considerably better at writing than anybody else. It's that he's mm-hmm. better at marketing than everybody else. He's smart as hell when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. And he's done a really good job of building up excitement and awareness and approaching his comics in a way where he like speaks to a manga market. He speaks to the speculators. He speaks to people who want to feel excited about things. And then he does that. Um, and so um, I, I think it's if, if I had any advice for creators, it would just be um, try to be more intentional about how you promote your comic and try to get in front of people in, in the right way and try to make connections with shops and with, uh, you know, the market in general and do it in a way that you don't have to rely on others on because I mean, to be Mm -hmm. honest, it's like a lot of comic publishers have shifted a lot of the onus of marketing onto creators. So it's already expected out of you. So how do you control that? Make it work to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Not easy, but it's a big thing. And well, you were just talking about James tiny and like my girlfriend got intrigued, but I mean, I I doubt she's going to read world tree, but like she got intrigued by it because I was on my laptop the other day 
going onto the the website that he has at the end there. Yeah. With a little the password, and she was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Like if you look you're on a computer in the '90s trying to hack something. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it was so like she was like, "What is that?" Like it just the marketing behind that is just genius. I mean, um, you, you said you just had Charlie Stickney on the podcast. I mean, Charlie's really mm-hmm. smart about how he approaches yeah. Kickstarter stuff, and mm-hmm. he he has wisely identified the fact that it's a lot easier to activate people on crowdfunding than it is in the mm-hmm. direct market. And yep. that's, that's smart. I mean, I think that it's not, it's not an accident that the last two years has been absolutely loaded with like legendary artists and just notable artists in general doing crowdfunding campaigns mm-hmm. for art books and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. Terry Dodson's got one going on. Terry and Rachel Dodson have one going on right now where it's like, every time you look at it, it's just constantly going up and up and up. And, mm-hmm. um, how can you activate your, how, okay. So step one, how do you build your audience? Step two, how do you keep them on the hook? And step three, how do you activate them? Those are three really big mm-hmm. things. And, um, that's, I mean, and, and that's like, to be honest, it's like, I don't want to sound like a cynical business person being like, how do you activate your audience as the person who just mm-hmm. said he doesn't like cons- saying consumer yeah. content, but it's true. It's just like, um, if you're looking to make it a profitable enterprise, you have to think about it in those sorts of terms. Mm-hmm. And then this is, I don't know how much you saw about any of this, but just this is probably go up this Friday. So um, this will be still relatively recent news. Um, the whole comic podcast thing. I don't know if you caught any of that drama, but um, there was apparently podcast drama. Yeah, I know. Right. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, glad. I don't really pay attention much to okay. that type of stuff. Okay, well, it was something that um, I don't really know for sure. I just know that there was some creator, some podcast host. I don't think he was a comics podcaster who was charging like $30 for interviews, which is stupid. Charging but, um, guests? Yeah, he's charging guests. I've had seen people online do the same thing for me. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. Anyway, so, but Gail Simone got onto it and she said, she was saying something about to, something to the effect, and I might get this wrong, so I apologize to anybody if I do, but um, especially Gail, if you listen to this, I love you. Come on the podcast. Um, anyway, um, she said some, something to the effect of like how like comic podcasts, they don't really going. She doesn't like to go on a lot of podcasts. One, I mean, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But like they don't contribute a lot to like actual sales, like actual like like increased fans. Sure. Like it doesn't actually in, it doesn't increase your audience very much. So like, I mean, I just didn't know if you had any like, did, I mean, do you think that makes a difference? Do you think like, I mean, and your podcast obviously has more listeners than mine does. But like, I mean. Do you think it really makes a difference how many podcasts? Because I know some people like talk to publicists and those publicists will try to get you on like as many podcasts as you physically can. And it's like, is that really making a difference? Um, I mean, I don't think so. First off, I don't blame Gail for having that perspective no. because I'm sure Gail gets asked like a million times a month to mm-hmm. be interviewed. Yeah. And frankly, it's like if she did every single interview, she would have no time to write. And yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't really have any I don't blame her for that. I mean, if, if any creator just wants to do word balloon, I wouldn't blame them because it's like word balloon is gonna have probably more listeners. Um mm. the the thing about it is though, is is like every podcast is gonna have different listeners to some degree. And so for you know, a, a good example, Charlie. Charlie Stickney, it probably behooves him to do more podcasts because it allows him to reach different people. And mm. for him, let's say Let's say every podcast he goes on is only listened to by 500 people. If every, if on every podcast, 5% of people that listen 
go and check out his Kickstarter and back it, then he's getting 25 people from every single podcast and it is extremely valuable for him. Like if, if he did a hundred podcasts and he got 25 people, uh, 25 people from each, he would be like the most profitable mm. comic creator in all of comics. So there is, I think there's value depending on what your role is, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't, if, if somebody says they don't want to go on my podcast, I don't really care. I mean, like oh, yeah, I, no. I, 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 I I've been rejected and people have said no enough or, or never responded enough where it's just like, I, I don't take it personally. It's like people yeah. are busy. Like uh, the fact that they do it at all is, is actually kind of amazing. So, and then mm-hmm. the other thing too is, is the, the comic, it's not just comics. Like I, I think comics has this problem where it has this vision that everything is comic specific issue. And I don't think that's necessarily true, but with comics, their fans do make a lot of podcasts and they do make a lot of YouTube shows and they do a lot of this stuff because there's like a natural energy for that sort of thing. And so if a creator says they want to pick and choose amongst a lot of them, that seems pretty reasonable to me, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't, that's not the same thing as saying podcasts are not valuable. That's just saying it's like, it's like with the the marketing thing. You just got to be intentional about your approach. Yeah. Um, and so I, wait, wait, this, one more, one more note. I, okay, I do feel bad. I, I have literally no idea what you're talking about. So hopefully I have not brutally misunderstood what, what your, uh, the subject was. And if you did, it's totally my fault because I'm paraphrasing something that was not clearly explained to me either. Sure. So we're, we're all, we're all good here. I'm like, I apologize too. Um, what about, I, I, I don't want to be too topical, but like, did you see the news, uh, like today or yesterday about ICV2 direct? Oh yeah, yeah. I actually talked to Milton Creep about it today on the phone. Oh, okay. Um, do you think that will change anything as far as getting comics, especially for again the smaller creators or smaller publishers, getting their comics to different audiences? What do you think? Fractionally, maybe. Okay. Um, okay. The the problem is is like shops want more places to mm-hmm. order inventory from. In no way, like they yeah. want fewer. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the idea the idea of it is an interesting one because it's an idea of consolidation and it's consolidating direct to retailer or direct to consumer type products through one house. And so in the same way that moving some publishers from Diamond to Lunar resulted in a bump because that meant that they were Lunar had a you know quote unquote smaller catalog for people to mm-hmm. look through meant that publishers like Ahoy and Vault and Scout and stuff had greater Mm -hmm. visibility in the process of making that transition. Mm. It's true because like if people look through ICV2 direct, especially initially, there will probably be a greater, there'll be greater visibility for these projects because it's all in one place. Mm -hmm. The only question I have is, will they achieve enough scale in terms of publishers and enough scale in terms of, retailers to make it worthwhile mm-hmm. and yeah, that's kind of yeah unknown yeah, just tbd yeah exactly it, it's because it's so like like it was, was it today or yesterday it was uh, i don't know it was recently yeah really really recent um i should have asked this question a little bit ago but do you have any advice for podcasters like myself uh specifically that want to um get guests that you know because they want to get bigger guests basically like I have other people that I've like reached out to, like, is it just, I mean, is it just 
just like beginning being ignored as normal or is it like is there anything that like to like getting to a point where you're able to interview um daniel warren johnson and like just people who are working at major publishers on major projects um well i mean one thing that i mean like daniel's a funny example so like i've been talking to daniel since like i mean mm -hmm. he was when when he was when I first started talking to him, I would like hang out at Emerald City Comic Con and just sit and talk to him and Ramon Villalobos about like mm -hmm. sports and nonsense like all the time. Like I play in a fantasy baseball league with Daniel. Yeah. Um. And so it's like I've known him for a while, and so I've kind of been party to his rise. Um. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of it is is like the first interview I ever booked, not for the podcast, but just back with Multiversity was with. Tom Snigoski, who was doing a project in the Bone universe. And we celebrated like it was like the mix between like the war just ended and New Year's Day or New Year's Eve yeah. where the the ball struck midnight. It was like the greatest mm -hmm. day of our lives. And then the next one we got was slightly bigger, and the next one we got was slightly bigger, and the next one we got was slightly bigger, and the next one and all it's a process. And the thing is is my advice is to um, don't take it personally yeah, and to just keep doing your best. And if, if you're looking, I, I don't think you should be aiming for visibility or size or yeah. perceived like popularity of, of, of mm -hmm. guests. Like I, I don't even think about that, to be honest, that's not even a really uh, something that enters my mind. Mm -hmm. I just think about like, can I have a good conversation with this person? Sure. And so the, the best, like, proof of concept you can have is just make the best show you can possibly do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a very field of dreams. If you can build it, they will come. But yeah. it's, it's not entirely untrue. Like I was, yeah. if you listen to my first episodes, they're horrible, but you know, I, mm -hmm. I, and the other thing too is, is like when I launched off panel, I'd been writing about comics for six years and we'd been, yeah. he was nominated for an Eisner award. And so I had some visibility already. So I kind of had like a, an easy button entrance into the yeah. podcasting space which was good because again, podcast was terrible, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it's just, you just got to keep building and, and, um, and just understand that like people have finite time available to them. And so they yeah. have to make decisions based off of what's best for them. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And like, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't mean, first of all, Daniel, I'm only mentioning Daniel and Johnson because I just read do a powerbomb and one of them dead earth. So, oh um, yeah, no, I, he's also like one of the most popular comic creators today. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of like, people would lo love to talk to him. Yeah. And I didn't mean it in terms of size, like, cause the only, I'm, I'm specifically, I'll be, I'll be open about who I was talking about. Jen McKay, because Jen McKay's Moon Knight was on like my best of like two or three years in a row there. And then, um, uh, who else, uh, did I try, did I have a message? Um, Francis Manipal, I messaged him as well because, um, that he's like one of my influential creators. So like, that's like just for me. And that's why, that's all I meant. Cause I just, I like. I don't know. I feel like when you're a smaller outlet like this, it's like, you know, I don't know. I feel like someone would be more inclined. I don't, maybe that's just my internal, like, uh, no, self-deprecation. Everyone feels like this, honestly. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I, I find that the best way to get Jed McKay to talk to you is to publicly insult him, and then he will come. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll just, I'll just add you. Know, uh, no, no, no. I, I, so Jed was funny. I, I, when the Avengers, when he was announced as the Avengers writer, I mm -hmm. was like completely perplexed. I was just like, why is, yeah. why is he writing Avengers? And mm -hmm. so then Dr. Strange came out. I was like, man, this, this book rocks. 
And so I wrote an article where basically it was an open apology to Jed McKay for basically thinking that he was a terrible choice for the Avengers. And I actually had a meme in there that was built off of a, a meme that came from Shaq, not knowing the abilities of a, a particular basketball player. And uh, anyways, it, it ended up being this whole thing. And then he, uh, I think last time I talked to Jed, I introduced myself in New York Comic Con. He's like, he's like, I forgot what he said. He said something along the lines. He's like, oh yeah, you're the guy that's wrong about things. And I was just like, yep, <laughs> that's me. That's awesome. <laughs> I also um, have the podcast. Yeah, so no, he clearly doesn't hate me, but yeah. I um I I emailed him and it ended up like the very next day he got announced as the Avengers writer and I was like really like I bet now people are like you know like I don't think he was like flooded but you know like it put a lot more spotlight on him and I was like wow I bet like that inbox like filled up like mine got lost in the sea of yeah I mean other emails and I was like wow the chance make make connections with publishers um. Uh, talk to the PR people. The, the, I mean, the, yeah. honestly, like the 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 people in in PR and marketing. I talked about how marketing is one of the biggest struggles, but there, there's so many people who do amazing work in PR and marketing and comics with no budget, and they will be your biggest advocate if you will, you know, treat them right and 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 mm-hmm. try to do a good job when you get the opportunity. And so it's just put in the reps, always trying to improve. I mean, yeah. like what I think one of my big advantages isn't that I'm necessarily a great interviewer. It's I put a lot of time and thought into mm-hmm. making sure my podcast sound as good as possible. And um, like, I am a nutcase when it comes to editing in the audio. And so mm-hmm. that makes a really big difference. Cause if you're, you're going to sound good, that's going to make a big difference when people actually listen to make sure that mm-hmm. like this person should go on your podcast. Sure. Um, and so now the next, the last questions I, I we're, we're winding down here, but the last questions I have for you are really short ones. Um, first, why not charge a, just a dollar per article on your on sketch? Like, cause I don't want to make a whole other subscription. I mean, I have, I've, I've no, I get it for periods of time before, but like, I'm like, I would pay an article, I pay a dollar to read this article. And I'm like, no, I got to pay a whole month's subscription. Is it just because it doesn't make sense? The really simple answer is the software I use doesn't have that functionality. No. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's go. like seems like I mean, it, if anybody wants to just send me a dollar, I can like give them a, a login very briefly. But no, I mean that that's really the long and the short. You of the it word is. document. Yeah, I'm just gonna make a PDF and just mail you it. But um, no, I mean that's it, to be honest, it's like with Sketched. Uh, I did it from 2015 to 2016, and I stopped. I got mm-hmm. really burned out. And then Heidi McDonald wrote this big article about how like. You get what you pay for. Like if, if people aren't paid for their work, that leads them to no longer doing it. And I was really pissed at mm-hmm. her at the time. And I told her as much. And she was right. She was totally right. Uh, I didn't think so at the time, but it started getting paid for my work. And I was like, oh, my God, this makes a huge difference. Yeah. And yeah. so I, my day job is in digital advertising. I know that banner ads are a joke and they lead to bad behavior and they lead to limited funds. And so I wanted to try something different. And to be honest, it's like one of my biggest complaints I have from people isn't that what I do isn't good. It's that they don't have enough time to read all of it because mm-hmm. I write yeah. so much. Um, well, go ahead. I was just going to say like the that was one of the I saw a tweet that like made me it was what made me read your article was it was something about like I refuse to let my brain cells die. I refuse to see another article and and just brush it off as too long. Like I refuse to let my brain cells die because of that. Mm-hmm. So I was like. To go back, I'm going to read that whole sketch article, and I and I did. And I think, yeah, I feel better for it. 
Yeah, I mean, it it is funny, though, because it's I'm like the person who's zigging while everyone else is zagging. And I think in some ways that's advantageous for me. But yes, I mean, honestly, I was thinking today is like, how could I how could I make it so people can read a single article or how can I should I like set up donations or something like that? Because like right now I have a very single single minded structure to it. And I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It's it's not the easiest thing, Um, but I will take your note as a good one. And maybe I'll see if I can figure out how to do that. I know that the people I run it through have been asked that before. They just haven't figured it out yet. Okay. Um, This is for myself because I was trying to think of a story, but I want to, I want to do something different. What are two genres that you would like to see matched up? Uh, Food and sports. Food and sports. I mean, to be honest, it's like check. Oh, I forgot that. That's a good one. Check, please. That's a great sports comic. Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, Ngozi Kazu. Amazing. Amazing cartoonist. Um, that combines food and sports. I absolutely love that comic. Um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, it's like, I feel like comics needs fewer sci-fi and fantasy stories. Mm. So not those. There's so many sci-fi fantasy. Um, I know that there's also a disproportionate amount of comic readers that like sci-fi and fantasy, but the thing is, is, um, I don't know. There's like, what is, what is that? There's that, uh, adaptation of a manga that's on Netflix now. That's really popular. It's, uh, uh, delicious in dungeons or something like yeah. that yeah like that i mean that's food mixed with like a fantasy dungeon crawler type story and sure. i think that i mean I, I guess it depends on what you believe your market to be but it's just uh if i i think that the number one answer should be whatever you think is right for the story you're trying to tell and mm-hmm. number two is is like how do you pair two things together that don't feel the same as everything else you've ever read yeah good example rom v is doing Don Runner with Evan Cagle. And that is his attempt to fuse. Like, I think his pitch was, uh, what if the people who made the movie Arrival made a kaiju movie? And that's what that comic is. And it absolutely rocks. And I've never read a kaiju story like that. So find something that somebody else isn't doing. My my first thought, because my first thought was like, I want to do a Western, but I was like, everybody does Western now. Because like, because Scott Young just announced, um, yeah, whatever. With, or hate I'm going to start pulling. Oh, well, yep, yep. Um, uh, yeah, then... Spider Verse, Final Fantasy. There it is. That's the combination. There you go. Well, I'll, 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 I'll go watch a bunch of YouTube videos on Final Fantasy and figure that out. Um, yeah. And then I always like to end every episode with just a random question. And this one came from my friend um, Ben Humanet. Um, if Stiltman were removed from Marvel continuity, what other heel character would you start standing for? Um, I mean, there's so many really good ones. Also, Ben, I do not appreciate the disrespect of stilt man being a heel. It's not kind to the stilt man or the stilt people. There's seven yeah. of them. There's a lot of them. It's not just, the there's seven uh, there is a, yeah, the Wikipedia page is hilarious. I mean, Wilbur day is the original one. And there's also, there's also a lady stilt man. Never forget lady stilt man. Yeah, I knew that. Um, but anyways, a Turk was stilt man for a minute. He knocked mm-hmm. stilt man out and took his, his gear. Anyways, what heel character would I get behind? I mean, there's a lot of them. I, I like. I, I, to be honest, like one of my great loves was always Taskmaster, but then Taskmaster became too popular. But Taskmaster is like yeah. my guy. Like I absolutely love Taskmaster, and the the whole the power set is just amazing. Also, Fred Van Lente or Fred Van Lent and Hefty Apollo's uh, miniseries from like 2010 of, with the character mm-hmm. is amazing and is super underrated. Um, uh, not a heel. Bova. Bova is my girl. 
Yeah, I I wrote an entire go. love letter to Bova once that I actually published in a book that I made of my stuff, which was nice. amazing. Um, Bova's not a heel. Uh, let's see, who else do I really love? Um, it's funny, like I'm a big X Men guy, but almost none of my like weird characters that I love are X Men characters. Yeah. I think it's because like like every X Men character has somebody that's absolutely gaga about them. Like and you're like, oh yeah. my god, black black Tom Cassie is my guy, and just like yeah. sure, why not? Sure, no one's not like. No one's like Big Wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for Big, Big Wheel. Wheel. There you go. That's a good um, one. I used to have the, the whole Marvel encyclopedia. I'd pull that out right now if I still had it and I could find somebody. The, like the handbook? Um, you no, know, the like the Marvel, not the Marvel handbook, like the Marvel encyclopedia. Like the, I don't know, they had multiple versions, like a big old like tome. You know, I, not a heel also, but I wish there were more sidekick characters again. Like whatever happened to like, um, like Rick Jones, what the hell is Rick Jones doing this day, these days? I mean, he he's got, dead. I think he's dead in, in, in immortal Hulk, but death he's, is a temporary construct in comics. Um, I like, uh, I don't know if he's dead. like Jarvis was showing back up in Al Ewing's, uh, Avengers stuff. And he was totally awesome. He was like a bartender in Janet Van Dyne's like new bar thing. Oh, mm-hmm. Give me some more like, oh, yeah side characters i mean snapper car is a dc guy but like where's snapper car these days people give me some snapper car i like i'm the person mm-hmm. who's repping for all the sidekicks we need yeah. some more sidekicks because it's just it's very hero centric i need some i need some normies out there yeah just a, just a regular dude that's you why know, it's part of the reason why there. daredevil is the best character ever you never forget about a supporting cast foggy nelson is always somewhere around yeah there you go um well uh, I'll, I'll i'll do this then not heal characters we'll just we'll d-list is that okay to say yeah i mean i, I heal characters that's a matter of perspective because yeah. uh i in my words in my mind still man is a hero just waiting to happen okay there you go i want to see i want someone at marvel just to like let you do it give you a one shot oh i have an entire just, pitch you do i figured you did yeah no um, still man life story is the name uh written by chip sadarsky drawn by paulo rivera uh inked by joe rivera uh also colored by paulo rivera and um i don't think i decided a letter and it had to be edited by will moss uh poor will moss being subjected to my insanity and i'd be co-edited by me you can tell that i do not have like that significant of an ego because i don't even cast myself in my own comic i want to make yeah i was gonna say where are you like not there i have no interest in making comics no interest yeah that's, I mean, I've learned that like a couple years ago. I interviewed another guy who runs the website Kung Fu Yeti, and he was like, "Yeah, I just don't like. I'm, it's not, not my thing." Yeah, and I was like, "All right, good for you, man." Which you know is who you opposite are. of me because I was like, I have to be like growing up. I was like, I have to be. Ma- I knew I wanted to make something. Like, I knew I wanted to be a maker, or a writer, or an artist of some kind. Like I had to make something. I knew that was my, what I wanted to do. Um, and now I teach, so you know, who knows if that counts. Um, anyway, David, that's all we have for you. Um, let people know where they can find you online. Uh, I mean, going back to the power of prayer, wherever, whatever social media platform still exists by the end of this, uh, at sketch comic on Instagram and X slash Twitter, uh, slice fried gold on X and Instagram. And then uh, on blue sky, I'm David Harper. And then sketch.com is my website. It's a subscription comic site where I write about a little bit of everything and my podcast off panel wherever you listen to podcasts um yeah and patreon if you get really into it but you know one step at a time yeah well take a listen first see how you like and then we'll dip your toe into the water 
Um, anyway, um, as always, you can find Forum Press Comics at F Press Comics on Twitter, Forum Press Comics everywhere else because Twitter has a character on it. Um, subscribe to the email list, rate us, subscribe, all the stuff. Anyway, David, that's all I have for you. Thanks for coming on. Um, have a good night.